Um, good morning, everybody. How's everybody today? Um, first thing I want to share is um, for those of you that, that may end up being asked to speak here at some point in the future, um, I've learned through my practice to become very aware of your physical body and your practice is not just all our mind, but being connected to our body. And so what I notice with the, the experience that I'm having now is uh, tightness in the chest, <laughs> short, shortness of breath, clammy hands, and I have the uh, bladder the size of a pistachio. So. <laughs> Um, I wanted to share with you, and, and Bikuni stole a little bit of my thunder because I was fortunate enough to speak to Michael Franzak this morning in Sri Lanka. And for those of you that don't know who he is, um, he is uh, living in Sri Lanka and working with Bhante Sujata to build uh, Sanata Soya. Am I saying that correct, Bhante Somananda? Um, so I caught him early. And I, I wanted to ask him if I could get the full Sri Lankan title that, that Bhante has received. Um, and basically he told me that it's, it's so long and there's so much in there that's cultural and it's mixing Pali and Singhala in there. Uh, but he's, he did his best and he had Bhante there as well to help kind of translate for me so that I could share with you. Um, but what it is basically is uh, knowledge and understanding of the Tripitaka who is well-spoken, keeping the lineage of his teacher and a highlight of his teacher's legacy. So that's, that's a loose translation of a very long title. Um, and also, um, the actual, I found out, the actual celebration is tomorrow. I first thought, or I think we all thought, that there was a celebration Saturday and Sunday but that's not it. The official monastic uh, ordination for Bonte happened already, and that was uh, a higher ordination for several monks, but the highlight of that was Bonte Sujata because he was getting this um, uh, highest honor, really. Um, oh, yes, here. The 12th was the official... Uh, Sangha Nayaka is what they call it, and then the 14th is the celebration that they tell me there's going to be thousands of people present. So that's just a little scoop on what's happening over in Sri Lanka, and it sounds like all the Sangha members that went over there are having just an amazing, incredible time. So for those of you on Facebook that can catch that, I'm kind of living vicariously through all of them and their experiences. Um, I was going to try to tease uh, Bikuni and start off with saying that I'm going to give a, a dissertation on dependent origination just to see what her <laughs> response would be, but, but I didn't want to give her like a cardiac event, so <laughs> um, I, I've been asked really just to share kind of my path and what, what brought me to uh, the Buddhist practice and also to Blue Lotus. So if I, if I go back kind of the beginning, I should share that I was uh, born and raised Roman Catholic. I was an altar boy. Um, in my teens somewhere, I think around 14, 15 maybe, um, I had decided that uh, Catholicism was too uh, exclusive and not inclusive enough. So I had the idea to start my own religion, <coughs> which... <laughs> which, which I, I titled the Free Belief Religion. 
Um, I didn't really come up with any rules or guidelines to that, but I just had the idea that there's got to be a way to include everybody and not just say you're either in this group or you're not. Um, I didn't get too far with that. I never became OSHO or anything like that, but I think that was, the seeds were already planted at that point for me to find a different path than the Catholic Church. Um, oddly enough, as I got older into my 30s, um, I, I took an even more serious interest in Christianity and became a born-again Christian. Um, started studying a lot. I was, uh, I've been kind of a guitar player and singer my whole life, so I started even writing some Christian songs. Um, I was going to a Southern Baptist church on the south side of Chicago. Uh, I was studying uh, the Gnostic Gospels, the uh, Nag Hammadi Library. I mean, I was, I was deep into it. Um, and if anything, that probably was the worst thing that could happen to me for Christianity because the more I studied and found out things that were beyond just what was in uh, a standard Bible, the, the more questions I had and the more gaps that there were, and I realized that uh, there had to be more to it than what I was learning from Christianity. So I kind of floundered as a kind of nothing for a while. And then I met a, a friend, a woman friend, who was uh, very knowledgeable in many Eastern philosophies. She was not a Buddhist, but uh, she had gone and spent a lot of time with Deepak Chopra on California. Um, she studied Sufism, Taoism, Buddhism, uh, really every Eastern philosophy. And I was always fascinated by her at the uh, wisdom that she had, these little nuggets that she would throw at me. And I was going through some difficult, difficult times in my life, but she always just had kind of a, a greater perspective on every situation than I had. And I'd never really known anybody like that. So one day I was sitting with a male friend of mine who's like a brother to me, and we were talking about it and, and discussing Buddhism a little bit, which he knew nothing about, and, and I really didn't either. And he said, well, you know, why don't you just go over to Borders and find a book about Buddhism and read about it for yourself? And I said, well, you know, that's a good idea. And I'm not much of a reader or, or haven't read a lot of books in my life, but I thought this may be a time where I need to read a book. So I went to Borders. Most of them sounded, seemed very lofty and confusing to me far too deep, um, but I found one, Buddhism Plain and Simple, which we saw at the bookstore here. There's a little plug for the bookstore. Um, but it, it, it was very simple. It was almost like uh, Buddhism for dummies, because as I started reading it, uh, I was kind of slapping myself in the head and realizing that all of this made sense. There was nothing in there that was telling me I had to believe in anything. There was nothing that uh, demanded faith in something supernatural. Um, the foundations of it just really resonated with me. So at that point, and that was about, I'm going to guess around 14 years ago, I decided I was Buddhist. That, that fit with me, and that was it. Um, tried learning meditation on my own. Um, didn't do it very often. I don't think I did it very well. Um, it was pretty painful. <laughs> um, so then Lydia and I moved out to Wonder Lake, Illinois, and after many years here, um, 
she had noticed in the newspapers that there was supposed to be a Buddhist temple in Woodstock. And I said, oh, that's interesting. I've never seen it. I've been through Woodstock. I don't know how many times I've never seen a Buddhist temple. And I guess I was expecting something that looked like a, like a Buddhist temple or like a, you know, <laughs> like, like, a, like a stupa or something that would stand out. I go, oh, there's the Buddhist temple. And I never saw anything like that. And I'd had a previous experience where I met some people at a Starbucks one time that were uh, Buddhist practitioners, and they said they had a little group that got together once a week at each other's houses, and they invited me. And I, and I went to that one time, and I was very uncomfortable. I think, um, I, I don't know what school they really were from. I, I think it was probably um, some form of Mahayana, I think, Tibetan. But it was very ritualistic and uh, an altar, and it just... It didn't seem like that down-to-earth, plain and simple kind of thing that I had read in that book. So I told him thank you and I left and I knew I never wanted to do that again. That just was not for me. And really I decided at that point that since Buddha became enlightened all by himself, I really didn't need anybody. He didn't need anybody, he did it by himself, so I can do it by myself. So getting back to, to hearing about the Buddhist temple from Lydia, um, she started encouraging me and saying, well, you ought to go. So I said, I don't know, I had a bad experience previously. So she said, well, you should call then and just talk to him and see what it sounds like. So I looked up the number and I called and some guy with an accent answered. <laughs> um, and he's, you know, I told him my reservations and he said, you know, no problem. He says, why don't you come a little early on Saturday and we can sit and talk. And I said, okay, I'll see you Saturday. <clears throat> well, by the time Saturday came, I convinced myself that this was the same situation as the other group, and I blew them off. So a few weeks went by, and it was kind of gnawing at me that I really had a curiosity to see what was going on. So I said, well, I'm going to call him back and see if I can make an appointment outside meeting him in front of other people, because I, you know, I don't know who these other people are, how strange or odd they may be. I'm certainly not odd. I don't want to go be with a bunch of odd people. <clears throat> so I, I called again, got this guy with the foreign accent, and I'm sure you all know who I'm talking about. And uh, I said, you know, I'd like to meet one-on-one. -on -one. I'm a little uncomfortable meeting at a group and, and at the temple. And he said, sure, no problem. He says, uh, let's make an appointment. And he gave me a date that was three weeks away. Well, at that point, I was sure this was the wrong place for me because I thought, who is this guy that's going to make me wait three weeks to see him? I, I, just, I was just flabbergasted by that. So I hung up the phone, I told Lydia, and she says, well, you know, you should, you should go meet him. And I said, oh, I don't know, maybe. So again, I had a lot of reservations because I had to wait so long to see this guy. And I would think like, you know, with Catholic churches, if you call the church, tell the priest you want to come talk to him about coming to his church, chances are he'll say, come on in today. So the three weeks went by, I decided I was going to go. <clears throat> Lydia, who had never had any interest in Buddhism at all, she accepted that I was Buddhist, but she was not. Um, when I got ready to go, it was moments before I got ready to leave, she said, I want to go with you. She's laughing at me because she knows I'm getting emotional. <clears throat> But I, I was really stunned because I knew she had no interest in it, so I'm thinking why in the world she want to go with to meet a Buddhist monk about going to a Buddhist temple. But I thought if she wants to, there's no reason why she can't. <clears throat> so we both went to Crystal Lake and met with Bhante Sujata. 
and sat down with him. Um, we, we both cried a lot that day. And <clears throat> when I tell people that, and when Lydia tells them, I know they probably wonder, why in the world were you crying? What did he say to you that made you cry? Um, he didn't say anything. He, he really was mostly listening. But there was something about him um, that was unlike anybody I'd ever met before. He was so accepting, he was so loving, um, and, and I felt as though he knew me my whole life. <clears throat> he said two things to me that have lasted until now, and I think they'll last until I die, and they really had a great impact on me talking to you folks today. <clears throat> One was, he said, you're missing something. And I said, what? He said, you're missing the Sangha. And I said, what is that? Which now I find funny because if I was calling myself a Buddhist and not even know what the Sangha was shows pretty much how illiterate I was when it came to the, the Buddhist teachings. <clears throat> and I said, well, why do I need that? He said, because you need noble friends. You need people to support you, that are like-minded, that are on the same path, that can encourage you. He says, that's what you're missing. I said, okay. And he says, and you need to be humble. I, I thought I was really humble already. <laughs> but it was, it was obvious I wasn't. <clears throat> and, you know, when I was asked to speak here too, that kept resonating in my mind. I'm thinking, humble, and now be Quinesi, and just get up there and talk about yourself. Just make it all about you. And I'm going, no, I can't, I can't do that. Um, so it's been, I think, how many years now? Four years or a little more that I've been blessed to be a part of the Blue Lotus Temple. And Bhante was right. Uh, the Sangha has meant everything. My life has changed in ways that I, I don't have enough time to talk about because Bikuni'd have to put the hook on me and get me out of here. Um, but I want to say that something very important, you know, when I, when I first started and got a, associated with the Blue Lotus, I, like I think a lot of people, got very attached to Bhante Sujata um, because of his warmth and loving kindness and acceptance and compassion and just, just his way. Um, it's, it's very easy to form an attachment to him. Uh, and I remember the first time he left for Sri Lanka, I was just devastated. What am I going to do without Bhante here? Um, I can tell you it's not like that anymore. Um, I, I love Bhante dearly. I'll be really happy to see him when he comes back, but I don't miss him now. Um, I, I'm so happy he's doing what he's doing. And the other thing is, is I've learned that uh, as much as he may be my Nayaka Hamdaro, which is head teacher, um, you're all my teachers. I've learned so much from each of you. I've learned from my family, from my dogs. <clears throat> Bikuni has been an amazing noble friend to me. Bhante Sumananda, Bhante Samita, Bhante Sanyata, <clears throat> Bhante Sumana, and all the teachers that we have come visit us, uh, Venerable Medika, who taught me to shut up and get over it. <laughs> uh, Venerable Panyawati, uh, a, a beautiful Bikuni teacher. Um, Bhante Sarnapala, Bhante Upananda, I mean, we're all so blessed here. There are so many teachers and so many people that share with us and love us. 
um, I'm just beyond grateful. So thank you so much.